It's kind of funny how you can read the Bible in a way that just completely convicts you and changes your life. Or you can read it in a way like, that was a good story. I'm glad I read that today. Mm-hmm. And not draw the conclusion that like that scripture is, is talking to you in this very moment, even though it was written 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Bridge Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Denise Harper and Bill Sammons of The Morning Show. How are you guys? Good. Hi, it's been a while. It has. Yeah. Glad to have your voice Thank back you. on the podcast. I'm sure our listeners are pleased to hear your voice as well. And as always, Mark Dickey is here. Hey. Mark from The Afternoon Show. Mark, how are you? I am doing good. Doing Excellent. Good. And I'm Andrew Jackson, Director of Marketing at The Bridge. We've got a special episode lined up for you today. We're going to dive a little deeper and find out a bit about some of our hosts. And uh, today, we're going to talk with Mark all about his testimony, how he met Christ, and where that's led him since meeting Christ. Yeah, I'm excited to share my story. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But first, I want to share with our audience about our sponsor, Boardwalk Plaza Hotel and Victoria's Restaurant. You know, at the Boardwalk Plaza Hotel, you can experience Victorian elegance by the sea. They're open year-round. They have fine dining and fine accommodations all overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. You can get more details at BoardWalkPlaza.com. They've been winning the Facebook game. They have just been posting pictures of sunsets from their restaurant. Oh, and it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're just orange and red yeah. just all over the ocean because they're right there on the boardwalk. Yeah, it's a special yeah. place. It really is. It's it's a jewel uh, right there in Rehoboth. Well, Mark, you've been here at the station for a while. We've been doing the podcast for a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I don't even know you. You don't. <laughs> Everything that you know is a lie. Oh, my. That is a drastic turn. <laughs> That, that guy, That's not true. No. <laughs> but there's probably a lot more facets to you that I don't know much about. Oh, yeah. And so today we thought we'd dig in a little deeper, find out more about you, your past, and what brought you here to the station and, and what ultimately what brought you to Christ, mm-hmm. which is a big turning point for anybody's life. It's a thrilling story, I swear. <laughs> Don't well, take swear, us, that's not nice. Take us back. <laughs> take us way back to the beginning. We'll do like the fade. <laughs> so we're going all the way back to Little Mark. Yep. Where did you start? Where did you come from? Who were you? So a lot of people on Delmarva would be ashamed to hear this, but I was born on the western shore of Maryland. Oh. Um, <laughs> and when I was about eight years old, I moved to Delmarva to Centerville, Maryland. That's where I, I, I grew up and spent my time in high school. Okay. Yeah. Grew up on Centerville. What was some of your favorite stuff to do as a kid? In Centerville, we had an alpaca farm. Oh. Uh, my dad was a class three arms dealer at the same time. So we sold Glocks and AR-15s out of our house uh, legally. Wow. Um, <laughs> What's class three mean? I didn't that? see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> class three, so is that a high class? Or it's a, you know, I actually don't even know. So uh, because my dad was super into hunting and, and mm-hmm. target shooting and stuff like that, uh, my older brother was super into it as well. And mm-hmm. so I'm just the black sheep of my family. Right, I wanted nothing to do alpaca. with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I had friends who like, like they love to like shoot and do stuff. Uh-huh. And they were super jealous that my dad was super into this. And I was like, well, I'm jealous that your dad plays guitar because I love the drums. And so it's kind of funny. Yeah. That is interesting. That's pretty neat. Had I not told you that before? No. 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 (laughs) It's new. Getting good all of a sudden. So, okay. So you ran the alpaca farm uh, and, (laughs) and your dad 
Yeah, we had a gun shop. arms. Okay. So, how, many, how many alpacas? We had 11. Wow. Um, so it's not like a huge farm. Yeah. Um, it's 11 more than I had. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's that? Is it hard work? It's, it's not hard work, but it's not easy work. Yeah. Um, Can they, I ask you a question? Work. Yeah. What's the difference between a llama and an alpaca? I'm glad you asked, Bill. Uh, they're part of the camelid family, uh, the largest being the camel. Ah. Uh, but the difference between an alpaca and a llama is most notably the size. Alpacas are about six inches shorter. Okay. And their ears point straight up. Llamas, their ears point forward. Oh. So, so you see all these people like, oh, I love llamas. And there's a picture of a straight-eared alpaca on their shirt. It's like, sorry, wow. I can't. I'm sorry, bud. Wow. You're busted now. The secret is out. Which one spits on you? Both of them. Uh, al- uh, llamas will spit more, though. Alpacas typically spit at each other. Um, although I've gotten a, a face full of green a couple oh. times. Oh. <laughs> a couple times I got in my mouth. Interesting. Oh. That's that's really oh, gross. Oh, no. Thank, thank yeah. you. That was good, good information. <laughs> yeah. So growing up with alpaca, did you, um, you know, were you, were you busy with that? Did that take up your time? Like I was a 4-H kid, so we had, yeah. you know, so that was a big part of your life. Yeah, right? so we, we lived in the woods basically. Okay. Um, and so... I spent most of, like all my friends lived in cul-de-sacs and neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and it was just me and my brother and uh, the animals. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't spend as much time out with people Mm -hmm. like a lot of my friends did. Okay. Would you say you were a loner or did you have a bunch of friends you kind of hung with? I definitely became one. Became a loner. Yeah. It isolated you a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I loved being with people in Mm -hmm. high school. Mark, how did you come to know Jesus and when? So for me, it was like a gradual, actually, I'm sure for a lot of people, it's very gradual. Um, Not Jesus in particular, um, but one of my favorite movies still is, it was Forrest Gump. And so uh, there's this moment where uh, uh, Lieutenant Dan talks about finding God. I mean, it was Forrest, but either way, Lieutenant Dan (laughs) finds God in this moment. And so as a kid, that resonated with me, you know, and, and so I guess my ears were perked to that information like that was something you had to accomplish in your life and uh one year i was at a a 4-h camp Mm -hmm. and um we were it was it was dark out and we were at a soccer field in the middle of the night i was just looking at the stars and talking with a friend about it and the bigness and and the vastness of the universe just completely my my brain exploded that night and Mm -hmm. it was just like this is all held together by a creator. There is a God. I know that for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, it's like I, I came to know that there was a God before I knew that there was a Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, coming to know who God is, um, I like to think of that phrase, you know, like, all right, we're in the ballpark. You know, like, that's something someone says when, when you're kind of narrowing down what you're, what's going on. And so, for me, I was searching for meaning in the entire world. And when I came to know that there was a God, like when that clicked in my head, we found the ballpark that there's an entire world of what you can believe. But, but in this, in this ballpark, I know that the answers are somewhere in there. I know there's a God and I know there's something more. And, uh, I just kind of had that in me for a couple of years when I went into high school, uh, I was uh, approached at, at, at in the lobby of my high school 
um, by a guy named Matt, who was actually my sixth grade math teacher. And it was just like, why on earth is my math teacher here from middle school? I'm in high school now. He shouldn't be here. And he says, I, I do this thing called Young Life. And uh, we get together. We play a lot of games. And it's a whole lot of fun. It's happening tonight. You should go. All right. Well, I'm sure. And so I go to this person's house. And uh, we sing all these songs. We play these games. And when I say sing songs, like we sang Free Fallen by Tom Petty. <laughs> like like it, wasn't, it wasn't like a youth group. It was completely different. I later found out that Young Life is a youth group for kids who basically don't have churches. Uh, it's, it's, it's meant for kids who don't have a Christian background. And uh, while I grew up with a Christian background, it hadn't clicked for me yet. After the after all the games and all of the the festivities and stuff, he started telling the story. And then about halfway through that story, he opened up a Bible, and then he shared another story. And then he linked them together. And I couldn't help but feel that like I was supposed to be in that moment. Like I, I could have been anywhere else in the world, but there I was not supposed to be somewhere else that night. And that was exactly where I was supposed to be. And I was supposed to hear about Jesus in a way that made sense to me uh, for the first time in my life. And that was, that was huge. So did you pray that night? Like, was there an invitation and you, you prayed that night or was that just like a, re- a revelation that you left with? It was just a revelation that I left with. And that was something that's so cool about young life that, that I love to this day is that it, it meets kids where they're at. And if they had asked me to make a decision that night, it would have been super weird. Maybe it scared you off or something. Yeah, because I, I was still wrestling with, you know, even though I, I, I was glad I was there and I was glad I was hearing this word, I was eager to hear more. You know, it was like when you when you find a new Netflix show and you watch the first episode, you're <laughs> like, all right, I got time for one more. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I felt. And so I went back to Young Life the next week and the next week and each, nothing was happening on Monday night except for Young Life. I mm-hmm. made sure of that. Yeah. A whole school year goes by of going to these, and I'm learning more about Jesus. Uh, I started going to a thing that was kind of like a Bible study. Um, and, and granted, I, I think I mentioned that I, I, I grew up Christian, um, but but it wasn't my faith. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm reading more about Jesus and and you know grasping, and I believe there's a God, but like there's nothing that changed my life yet. Mm-hmm. That summer, I went to a summer camp. It was a young life camp, and that was the week that they spelled it out in a way and they, and they showed me that like, this is a turning point in your life. Like you, you stop living for you and you start living for the Lord. And so uh, it was the summer after my ninth grade year that I, mm-hmm. that I, I'll use qu- air quotations that I gave my life to Christ because mm-hmm. even though it was a turning point, it wasn't a massive turning point mm-hmm. in my life, but it was still, it was still the beginning of something huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many people say that about summer, about summer camp, Young Life camp. So, man, there's a lot of people have come to Christ at Young Life camp. Mm-hmm. I, it must be like the so the weekly meetings are like just uh, the preliminaries, and then the invitation, if you will, if this analogy is a church service, is that's the invitation. That's what it sounds like, anyway. So. Yeah, uh, and 
it's weird to think of it corporately like that mm-hmm. because usually the word cult gets brought up when you think of stuff like oh, like right. getting a bunch of people together and having them make these big decisions yeah. and something that's just really cool about the way Young Life camps are designed is it's you know say it's seven days I think it's about seven days mm-hmm. um, the first like three days is just like nonstop fun. Mm-hmm. Like you're just hanging out and basically at a resort and you're doing all sorts of stuff. And about halfway through the week, they stop planning so much stuff because about halfway through the week, the, the scripture that they're reading and talking about gets a little bit heavier. And so, um, they're like, all right, these kids are about to make a big decision. We need to make sure that they're rested, that they're like relaxed hmm. and in a good state of mind mm-hmm. before we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and what salvation means. Hmm. And so, um, so yeah, when I say I met Jesus at a camp and stuff mm-hmm. like that, it's like they, they set the scene perfectly mm-hmm. for me to make a, a good mm-hmm. informed a, an informed in good judgment mm-hmm. decision. And so, um, so it's not just emotional or exactly. Or yeah. Right. It's a yeah. Group, group it, thing. Not, at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 Were some of the kids in, in your young life group also kids that you hung around with in, in school or did you meet a whole new group of friends? A little bit of both. And that was kind of cool about it because I was a freshman in high school and I was in a cabin at camp with sophomores, juniors, seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my, my group changed mm-hmm. uh, and it was neat that there were some seniors looking out for me at that point and, and getting to know me and um, yeah well it sounds neat it sounds like now your friend group has expanded you got a little bit of a network to support your new faith mm-hmm. and uh, you got a lot to explore I would imagine a lot of questions that are coming up what was life like when you came back from camp yeah so it was kind of cool I mean I, I we I got a Bible at camp and had a 30-day reading plan and I did that and uh, it's kind of funny how you can read the Bible in in a in a way that just completely convicts you and changes your life or you can read it in a way like oh that was that was a good story I'm glad I read that today mm-hmm. and not draw the conclusion that like that scripture is is talking to you in this very moment even though it was written 2000 years mm-hmm. ago and so when I got back from camp uh, going into my 10th grade year, not a lot changed. You know, I, I tried to watch my language, um, which I wasn't someone who like did that a lot, but like I still mm-hmm. did the normal things. I stopped saying, oh my God, and started saying, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. um, like the basic things. Uh, but m- not a lot of my life changed. And I, it wasn't until about junior year that I had a young life leader go, okay, Mark, you've been doing this long enough. You've been saying you believe this long enough. And I think you need to make a commitment. Like you need to actually grab hold of, of Jesus and, and really add him to your life so that like when people see you, they go, Oh, like I see something different about Mark. Hmm. He doesn't just go to that thing. Like he, he, he is something different from the rest of us. And so I had to break up with a girlfriend. Mm. Um, I, it was crazy. I started dating a girl who wasn't a Christian. And after I had that conversation with him, the next couple of weeks, Mm. I was super 
just Where? latching on to every everything I read in the Bible or had mm-hmm. a bi- like Bible study, and I would want to talk to her about mm-hmm. these things, mm-hmm. and and it just didn't. She didn't get it. Didn't get it yeah. whatsoever, mm-hmm. and I didn't even think I knew the Bible verses about being evenly yoked with mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that a lot. You know, you mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you need to the person that you're with should have the same belief as you so that like you can kind of hold each other up mm-hmm. and uh i just couldn't do it and so i broke up with her and mm. yeah like a month later she's like i've been reading the bible a lot lately oh, wow. and um <laughs> and i was like nah <laughs> <laughs> well that's good but yeah we're not getting together again yeah 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 it was just yeah it just wasn't a healthy relationship for me right hey yeah. good for you for knowing that you just kind of inherently god i guess the holy spirit just kind of yeah led you there that's neat yeah yeah Yeah. all part of growth Mm. do you feel like the direction that you were headed before you connected with christ was altered once you accepted him as your lord and savior in other words did you think your career in the future would go in one direction and then it changed because you made this decision to follow christ you know i am one of the few people on the planet who knew exactly what he wanted to do when he was 13 years old and haven't stopped pursuing it to this day. Um, I watched a movie where I watched, there was a band recording an album and I said, I want to do that. I want to, I want to work with microphones and mixers and that's the coolest thing on the planet. It's like they're driving a spaceship (laughs) and, uh, I don't record bands professionally, but I, I sit behind a microphone every day uh, and I work a mixer every day. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all I've known for mm-hmm. the last 15 years of my life, mm-hmm. 28 now. And so, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and so it's cool that I, I haven't had to make a change in career. Although you have to really be after a crazy career to, I feel like have to have a big career change when you come to faith. That might not be true, actually. <laughs> you feel maybe your motives uh, for doing it are differently than you know than they would have been. I don't. I don't know if I had motives at that point. Okay. I just thought it was really neat, and you just kind of wired that way, and yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Do you find that you're putting a different purpose into what you do now, uh, or what you, um, you know, how you interact with other people? Is there an underlying purpose to everything that you're? You know what, what, what in terms of purpose, we live in an age where everyone needs a screen or a pair of headphones in front of them at all times. Mm -hmm. And there is so much garbage. People, people know that if I make this content, I can put an advertisement next to it and get paid for it, or I can Mm -hmm. sell it and get paid for it. And so entire songs, entire movies and TV shows are about nothing that they have no mm-hmm. overlying plot whatsoever. Um, and they're hilarious. They're great. They're fun, mm-hmm. but they don't take you anywhere. And so the fact that today working at a Christian radio station, like the, the content that we put out is based on eternity, mm-hmm. not on killing time. Yeah. Or just like, I, I want to turn my brain off for a second. Not just passive idle entertainment. Yeah. But- and not that that stuff's bad, mm-hmm. uh, but like, if it's all you consume, mm-hmm. that's all you're going to be. Mm-hmm. You are what you eat. Yeah. <laughs> so you do find fulfillment in, in creating things that share Christ with others. And mm-hmm. that's 
given you more purpose. Absolutely. And in my experience, he fuels whatever's going on when it comes back to him that I'll, I'll chase Mm -hmm. after something over and over and over again. And there's just no, you know, dead end, dead end, dead end. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I let him be the center of it and give him the glory for it, 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 there's never a dead end there. Mm -hmm. Um, it has rained true Mm -hmm. my entire life. Are you as an adult now? Are you, um, I am an adult. Yeah. (laughs) Are you still involved with young life in any way? Or are you, um, you know, would you recommend kids still get involved with young life this many years later? Yeah, I would definitely recommend young life. It's, uh, you know, I, I went to, after having been through young life, I've gone to church youth groups Mm -hmm. and they reach a completely different kind of kid. Mm. And if I had gone to that initially, I'd have wrote it off and been gone. Hmm. It has a very specific place in the community. It needs to be in every community because there are kids that don't speak church. Mm-hmm. And for you, for where you were, that was a great, you know, inroad and an invitation. Yeah. Cool. So something that the, probably the most recent thing that I have learned about Jesus uh, was through my now wife. When I was in college, Brittany, my now wife, uh, was trying to explain to me what grace was. I just didn't get it. And it was funny because I've been a Christian for like four or six years at that point. And the idea that I didn't have to pay God back or like be better because he was good. Mm -hmm. Like I have to earn it. Didn't make sense to me. And I find on a regular basis, a couple times a year, it still doesn't make sense to me. I just have to constantly remind myself that, that there's nothing I can do. That to make God love me more, uh, to, to earn his grace, like he gives it freely. Mm-hmm. And now that I have a kid, I'm trying to teach her mm-hmm. and she's only five months old, but like, I don't <laughs> want her to grow up with that feeling. Right. Right. You know, I, I want, I want to raise her in a way that she doesn't have to earn my love. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to withhold joy from her because of something she's doing. And so, extend that so my testimony is still going, you know, yeah. and, and to bring it all home, there's a pun there, but you'll understand in a second. Um, I mentioned that ballpark analogy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, what understanding that there's a God brings you into the ballpark and coming to know Jesus takes you into the field and then understanding that grace brings you into the infield. And uh, all of that took a couple of years. And I think it's going to take me the rest of my life mm-hmm. to get to home plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, there are these big jumps that you make in your faith and uh, it's really exciting at first and you're making these huge strides and eventually it kind of slows down a little bit. But that distance from the infield to home plate uh, is probably going to take me 50 years. Mm-hmm. I'll probably be 80 years old by the time I sort of think I know what I'm talking about <laughs> when it comes to God and, and everything. Yeah. So I'm a work in progress. Well, Mark, I sure appreciate you sharing your testimony with us, letting us know a little bit about your past, how you came to meet Christ, and then what he's continually doing in your life to draw you closer to home plate. Really thankful for you sharing that. You bet. Well, listen, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, you can share it with a friend. Just visit us on 887thebridge.com. Look for our Bridge podcast, and it's right there for you to share. Be sure to download the Bridge mobile app where you can get the latest podcast episodes as soon as they air. And you can provide feedback or suggest other show topics when you email 
podcast at 887thebridge.com.